The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. Listen to Matt Slick Live. Today's date is uh, February 2nd. February 2nd. February 7th. 2023, so 27-2023. Uh, if you want to give me a call, all you have to do is dial 877-207-2276. And uh, we've got nobody waiting right now. All right, now I know that some of you had little issues with the schools, and it looks like they're fixed. So if there's a problem with tested, let me know. If there's any problem, just uh, email me at info at karm.org and uh, we're making an adjustment because our web guy just did a standard update to security stuff and it just, it wrecked a few things. And not his fault, it's just, you know, we do this kind of stuff. You do a security update. That's just the nature of tech. And this is what happens. So uh, there you go with that. All right. So if you want to give me a call, like I said, 877-207-2276. And uh, one of those issues that uh, uh, arrived or surfaced, I should say, is we can't get the new uh, address on. Maybe I could do it, though. You know, I just realized I could probably get in there and uh, and do that, edit the page, and get the information. So if Laura puts it in the private chat, I'll just uh, go ahead and, and update that best I can if I can do it. All right. Whew. And if you want to email me a question or a comment, all you have to do is send your email to info at karm.org. Info at karm.org. And we can check it out from there. And uh, can sometimes I read them on the air sometimes and get a nice discussions and they kind of uh, serve to prompt, uh, you know, a little bit of teaching and some stuff like that. So there you go. All right. Uh, nice and, and simple. Nice and simple. All right, why don't we just try this. Uh, let's get to Nancy from Ohio. Hey, Nancy, welcome. You are on the air. Thank you very much. I listen to you every night. I'm a first-time caller, and I would like to know if you could please tell me what Mormons actually believe in. Well, I can tell you what official Mormon theology is. Uh, Mormons okay. differ, uh, but what Mormonism teaches is that God is an exalted man from another planet and he's uh, a human being that became a god and that he uh, resurrected one of his wives uh, to goddesshood and they came to this world and they produce offspring in heaven that uh, are supposed to inhabit human bodies uh, when they're born and so in the pre-existence because we said they say we're all pre-existing and the first one born between god and his goddess wife first one born was Jesus and then we were all born brothers and sisters to uh, Jesus in the pre-existence there needed to be a, a a plan of salvation and Satan offered a plan Jesus offered a plan the God the Father went with with Jesus uh, plan so uh, so the devil he became the devil he rebelled and he took a third of these spirits that uh, these pre-born spirits uh, they sided with him so they could never be born in human bodies, they're demonic forces. The third of the spirits uh, that went with Jesus planned for the glory of God the Father, 
they are born in white skin bodies. Now, uh, they don't officially teach this part necessarily anymore, but they used to teach it in the 1800s. And the prophet said they spoke, uh, Brigham Young taught it, and he said in Journal of Discourses, volume 13, page 95, that everything he said was as good as scripture. So anyway, uh, there's that. And uh, so the third, you know, remember, a third didn't go with uh, with uh, Jesus, but went with the devil's plan. So they're, they're not going to be born in bodies or demonic forces. A third of those spirits, pre-born spirits, uh, went with uh, Jesus' plan for the glory of the Father. And uh, they uh, born in white-skinned bodies. And the third that didn't go either way were cursed to be born in black-skinned bodies. And the blacks were not allowed to hold a priesthood until, I think it was 78. And when they suddenly got a new revelation... And, uh, you know, it was shortly after the uh, civil rights uh, movement here in America, and they got new revelations. So that suddenly, hey, now you can become hold the priesthood. So anyway, after you pay a full 10% tithe of your income to the church, you have to be up to date on your tithes uh, for at least a year, you can get what's called a temple recommend. A temple recommend allows you to go into their temple. You get uh, white garments. Uh, nothing kinky goes on there inside there but they go in they, they uh, dress uh, they change clothes into this these garments and uh, they go through different rooms and these rooms symbolize varying parts of doctrinal truths in the Mormon system when they go into the temple they're given a, a fig leaf apron a green fig leaf apron and it's in a bag and are told not to put it on yet uh, and it's about I don't know I've, I've got one someplace but it's been so long I think it's about 10 inches by 10 inches square and then it has a strap that you uh, tie behind your back and you're supposed to put it over your your groin area at the right time this is over the white clothing so there's they go into different rooms they watch different films that depict varying things that Mormonism teaches and in one room there's an actor in the film playing uh, the devil and one playing a preacher like myself the one uh, playing Jesus and uh, I believe God the Father, and uh, so uh, uh, Adam asks Satan, "What's that apron you have on?" An apron. Uh, Satan has a uh, dark uh, fig leaf uh, apron on. Same thing. It's just different color. His is very dark. I think it's like super dark blue or black. I think it's dark blue. And uh, at that, and he answered, "This is a symbol of my priesthood and authority, my priesthood, and my power." I forgot which it is. And then the film stops, and then uh, the Mormons are told to take off their fig leaf aprons and put them on. Okay, they go through this uh, ceremony, and uh, they're supposed to, men are supposed to have secret handshakes that they got from the Mormon temple. I mean, from the Masons. But anyway, secret handshakes. This is so that when you are a good Mormon. And you've gone through the temple ceremony, you've got all the stuff clips, uh, kept celestial law, then you have the ability to become a god of your own planet. But you've got to shake hands with God, who came from that other planet, uh, with a veil that's in heaven. You can shake hands with them, get these secret handshakes. And so you can start the whole process over again. That's Mormonism. Okay, okay I didn't know too much about them. I do know that they have a, an ancestry thing there in Salt yeah, Lake that mm-hmm. they believe that they can by proxy go back mm-hmm. and yeah. um, baptize them right. and then they'll that's the only thing I really knew yeah, and the reason so, they uh, do that is because they believe that uh, they believe that ba- there's something called baptism for the dead and baptism for the dead is uh, 
Okay, well, let's wait. When you die, there's three levels of heaven in Mormonism. The lowest is uh, celestial, the middle is terrestrial, and the highest is celestial. Most Mormons will go to the middle kingdom. I'll probably end up, because I'm an anti-Mormon, uh, they used to call me, I'll probably end up going to the bottom kingdom. But I've had some Mormons tell you, well, I'm sincere, so I'll go to the middle kingdom with them. And the idea is, in order to be a true Mormon in the afterlife, you have to be baptized. So what they do is they practice baptism. They rip the scripture out of ver- out of context, out of 1 Corinthians 15.25. What well, should we do for those who get baptized if they are, don't baptize? It's not about the Christians doing it, it's about the pagans who are doing it. But that's another thing. And so they get baptized, so in the afterlife you can move between levels, I think it is, and get higher knowledge and appreciation and stuff like that in the afterlife. But the baptism... Go ahead. Pardon? No, go ahead. Try. I was just going to say their baptism isn't the same as ours. Oh, no, no, no. Their baptism is not valid at all. Mormonism is a non-Christian cult. Okay. I knew they were non-Christian, and along with he's saying about... uh, the Catholics and Jehovah's Witness. Right, they're also false. And, and the Mormons they, teach that there's the Trinity is three separate gods. There's a God, the Father, another God, the Holy, uh, Holy Ghost, another God, Jesus. Then there's the Mother Goddess. Then there's the God that exalted them, or him, uh, from another world. So there's at least four gods right there. F- uh, five gods. So they actually, uh, technically, they're worshipping a an alien, a life form from another planet. And that's who they worship. And it's mates. They worship them as god and goddesses. So uh, Joseph now, Smith started this, but he was involved in the occult. And a lot of people don't know that, but he was an occultist. And he uh, then said that God the Father appeared to him, which had never happened because the Bible said that's impossible. And uh, it's, it clearly says he can't, God the Father can't be seen. And I can show the verses for that. And so everything goes on Joseph Smith, uh, who... Um, had over 30 wives, and he often, uh, or sometimes, let's just say, married women had to be sealed to them. Uh, so the afterlife, because he's a prophet of God, so he gets the women. To, to be sealed meant they had to uh, do the naughty. And so there were these ceremonies to go through to get them sealed, so you could have women. Yeah. Okay, and I know somebody that was a Mormon, and they mm-hmm. were baptized in a non-denominational church, and I mentioned something. I said, then you're not a Mormon anymore. And says, they said, once a Mormon, always a Mormon. Have you ever heard yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, something Mormons like to say that to, to bolster their own belief system, but it's not. You know, when you you know, when people find out what Mormonism really teaches, uh, a lot of them just say, we're, we're done, you know, especially when they go through the Mormon temple ceremony. A lot of Mormons leave when they're told to put on the apron, the fig leaf apron that Satan has, but it's just a different color. A lot of, it shakes a lot of Mormons up, and they don't want anything to do with uh, with it after that. So uh, there's that, plus the Internet has done a lot of damage to the Mormon church um, because uh, uh, people are finding out what it teaches. You know, God from another planet, and you have to do good works in order to be saved, and uh, you can become gods, but you have to have... Uh, the handshakes and uh, the the husbands they have to call forth their wives in the uh, in the afterlife so that uh, the, you know woman if she's not a good woman he may not call her forth so women in uh, the Mormon church are under a lot of pressure in fact I remember reading a statistic a while back that Utah had the highest uh, rate of any state in the in the Union 
of women who are on medication for depression. So, yeah. And that's because they don't do what? Well, it's because the uh, the Mormon Church puts a lot of works on uh, on Mormons, uh, particularly on the women. women. Uh, yeah. Okay. And, yeah. So it's you know if the husband doesn't like you or you get upset, he may not call you forth. Also, I've got stories of people who were Mormons and um, just questioned a couple of things in it, and they were attacked uh, verbally, uh, spiritually. Uh, lost her jobs, uh, things like this, just for doubting some of the things in it. What about this? I, what about the, don't, don't ask questions. So it's a mind control cult and uh, that has polished itself over the, the decades to make it appear Christian. But it, it most certainly is not. It's not Christian. And okay, I thank you very not. much and I'll let you go so you can answer other people's questions and well, thank you very much. You're welcome very much. Well, God and bless. And you have a good evening. <laughs> you too, thanks. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have five open lines. If you want to give me a call, all you have to do is dial 877-207-2276. Let me read some stuff out of what Mormonism teaches. These are from Mormon sources. So I'm not making this stuff up, okay? I've been studying Mormonism off and on for over 40 years. So uh, uh, Bruce McConkie was one of the 12, one of the Seventies uh, Quorum apostles. Uh, I think it was an apostle. And he said, there's many gods. There's a mother goddess. A god needs to be a man on another planet. The bo- god the Father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's. In fact, uh, he's about six feet tall. So I'm six feet tall. And uh, so he's as tall as I am. And uh, God the Father had a father. And uh, that's, I mean, I could read all the documentation of where it's from, but uh, after we get back from the break, I'll continue to read some of the things that Mormonism teaches. Like God the Father had a father, Joseph Smith, History of the Church, Volume 6, page 476. That's where it's found. You know, like all these documentations. Anyway, we'll be right back after these messages. Give me a call, 877-207-2276. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. Let's get back on the air here with Ed. Hey, Ed from Utah. Welcome. You're on the air. Hey, brother. How are you? Oh, hey, buddy. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Tired today. Got a lot going on. But uh, Oh, do you? Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. you wouldn't know because you're well, you know you don't do anything. You're just lazy around. I know. You just yeah. I I just sit down a lot. That's all I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's but all uh, I do. That's right. Hey, I wanted to uh, run a question by again. I figured this would be a good one for a wider audience to, okay. to hear. Maybe not. You may think it's stupid. So so as you know, my context is Provo, and and it's highly LDS where I'm at. And you know their claim with the Book of Mormon is that it is the most perfect right. book on earth. Right. Uh, that that is mm-hmm. their claim. And, yeah. and so my question is: Do they believe that their other three books are inerrant, since only the Book of Mormon, in their words, is the most perfect? book on earth would they consider uh pearl great Price, dmc and and uh and yeah 
Pearl Great Class in DMC as uh, perfect as well. Yeah, they do. And that's, incidentally, it's in History of the Church of Volume 4, page 461, where they say the Book of Mormon is the most correct book of any book on earth, and a man can get closer to the precepts of God by following it than by any other book. And uh, the problem is it doesn't contain uh, exaltation, becoming God, God from another world, temple ceremony. It doesn't uh, contain the essentials of the Mormon uh, faith. So, right. uh, but they do right. hold to the uh, the inspiration of these are documents and uh, has been correct, even though right. the uh, doctrine and covenants was altered uh, quite a bit. They, there's correct. a lot of stuff they don't know. You know they, it was written, stuff was taken out, put back in, changed, and they say it was. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, Mormons are just you know not to mean, but they're just very ignorant of their own history. Mm-hmm. They don't know, for example, the right. Meadows Massacre, where they, the Mormons uh, murdered. 124 men, women, and children out of a wagon train. Uh, but the Han Mills massacre, they only talk about that, but they don't know why it happened. Not that it makes it okay, but they don't talk about the cause of it, what the Mormons did. They don't talk about the $3 bill that Joseph Smith uh, started to go or t- developed. They don't talk about how they would go, mm-hmm. the Mormons would go into different uh, areas as they would travel around. And then they would use church money to undermine the stores and uh, in towns, right. give a discount to the members, and then charge to the Gentiles, charge number. So the Gentiles aren't going to these uh, places because um, they got a little bit of a discount, and so they drove people out of business, right. and then they, they would take over politically and economically. And so there's a lot of resentment. A lot of Mormons don't re- don't know a lot of this stuff, but I can go on and on. But yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Even though the uh, and then, and then yeah, the town, and, yeah, and then the yeah. town would get mad at them, riot run mm-hmm. them out of town so they go to yeah. the next one yep and then the mormons say look we're just persecuted but they don't they don't say right well we're persecuted because we go into these towns and drive people out of business and cause people to lose their homes and right you know so because we did uh we did what we had to do they don't talk about that this is the thing about cults is they polish their history to make it look good. In fact, there's at least four different first vision of accounts. And right. the Mormons, they're not aware of, of Joseph Smith's occult dealings. He was involved in right. contacting the dead. And this is at the yep. time of that is when he started Mormonism. Yep, and he was. Money That's digging, right. necromancy, absolutely. And so the, what the Mormon church has done is just polished their, uh, their image and... Uh, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. those who believe in it and die in it uh, are going to go to hell. And, and and the fires of hell and that heat will be upon them forever because they believe in a false god. And this is not what I want for yes. them. Yes. Correct. Anyway. Correct, my right. brother. We we are on the same page there. Um, yeah. If I could ask you one follow-up question. So sure. the wording of that quote, that citation from the Book of Mormon, doesn't that shoot itself in the what foot book? for having other inspired books? Oh, they, well, he said it's the most correct. Uh, well, then you could have others that are almost as correct. And I think it's a good question. So is, that what they, is that what they would consider the Doctrine of Covenant and, and Pearl Great Crisis less correct than the Book of Mormon? That'd be interesting to ask them that. I never really thought about that. That's good. I'm going to yeah, ask me so, Mormon so could tell that, us. That is the essence of my question right there. Mm-hmm. 
So, so it's like if you're going to say that the Book of Mormon is the most correct book, then that means you can't have any other books after that. That's right. So, That's anyway, right. I just wanted to get that Man, thought out there. You're smarter than you look. Yeah, you know. You're so much smarter than you look, buddy. I, I was really, that's a good one. I'm going to memorize that. <laughs> I love you too, man. <laughs> love you too, man. Uh, All right, buddy. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, see you later, my friend. All right. God bless. All right. I've known Ed for, man, I don't know. I wonder how long we've known each other. At least 10 years, I think. I don't know. A long time. All right, let's get to, let's see, Kip, I believe that is, from South Carolina. Welcome. You're on the air. Hey, man. Hey. So, I hate to put gears on you, but um, I don't have an issue with animals or dinosaurs, um, especially like when people talk about uh, anything before Adam and Eve. Um, so my understanding is, is that there was no death on earth. Uh, there was no intention by God to have any death on earth. It was a curse brought on by sin. Well, hold on. Before we go any further, so that's where I stumbled. before we go any further, uh, yeah. what about Adam and Eve eating a fruit and the cellular material, which is alive, is digested and then dies in their stomach. Would that be death? Okay. Yeah, and I understand that, um, you know, creatures were vegetarian um, before death came into play. So what kind of... What I'm trying to do is get you to understand what death is. How does the Bible define it? And so we know that... We know that animals can die, but death is separation from God, Isaiah 59.2. And it started, it occurred by the curse, God's warning in, in Genesis 2.17. So, any rate, uh, always like to be a little bit more precise than the average bear so that we uh, just go a bit further in our discussions. All right, so no death. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so there was no death. Um, it was brought on by a curse because, you know, he mm-hmm. said there would be pain and suffering and death um, from this point on. Uh, uh, if I'm correct, the, the woman giving birth, you know, she mm-hmm. will have pain. Of, you know, um, it'll be a reminder of the sin. Mm-hmm. So I'm oh, just trying to figure. Can you hold on? We got a break. I'm God. sorry. We got a we okay. break, Kip. So hold on. We'll get right back to you after the break. Okay. Woo. All right, folks. We'll be right back after these messages. We have one open line: eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. <laughs> oh, I hit the wrong button. Okay, we, we are back on the air. Or right, let's give to Kip back there. Hey, Kip, welcome. You're back on the air, buddy. Hey, Matt. Hey. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, I understand. I felt like he was not afraid of the serpent because she had no idea of the concept of death. Or suffering, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it wasn't anything that anybody really understood. 
Mm-hmm. So my final question would be, if God loves all his creation, and he, you know, he marvels at it and, and so on and so forth, why would he create an animal, a dinosaur, say a, say a deer, just to have it be savagely eaten alive or suffer? Wait, 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 hold on. Hold on, 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 hold on. I gotta ask you, okay. You said savagely eaten. What do you, you see? Are you, let me ask you, are you a Christian or not or what? I'm just curious. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure, what? Absolutely. You are? I'm absolutely a Christ follower, yeah. Okay. So, savagely eaten. Uh, I'm not sure what that means. What does that mean? Eating okay, what's so alive can... and keeping it alive and putting blood transfusions in it to torture it savagely? What? Um, well, if I watch any footage of a deer being eaten by a lion while it's alive, oh, okay. and sometimes even where okay. the the baby inside the I get you. I get you. Okay. Uh, I don't want too much, you know, there's kids in cars, and, and so I'm just trying to, you know, be nice. Right, so this is a result of the fall, okay, because of mm-hmm. sin in yeah. the world. Adam represented the, the world and mankind, and when he fell, sin entered the world, and this is what the result is, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, so my question then goes back to, so, but before, like, if people believe in dinosaurs or something, and animals lived before Adam, so they just would go through this process, you know, a mother with its baby being ripped from, you know, so on and so forth, so yeah, I won't yeah. get graphic. But, I mean, so before, I don't, I just don't understand why the process would be to watch his creation go through that turmoil because what I understood was everything was vegetarian before the fall. Okay, so wait, so you wait, 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 wait. You're confusing me. So, um, you want to know, what is your precise question? Without a because my inside per- of it. My precise just, question just, would be, yeah. okay, my precise question would be, if there were, if, if, there were animals, dinosaurs, what happened before death. There, there were. Um, mm-hmm. Came the fall. I don't understand the process of a loving God who loves his creation would have it structured to where an animal dies a brutal death. Wait a second. Okay, hold on, 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 hold on. Your question is so fragmented and long that I'm, I'm having a lot of trouble following you, okay? Are you just asking, why is there uh, such uh, uh, suffering in the world like that, in among the animal kingdom, before or after the, the fall? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, preferably before. We don't know if there I was any... why after. What, hold on. Oh, hey, hey, okay. Okay. I'm, okay, so we don't see anything in Scripture to say that that was the case before the fall. Okay, all right. Are you there? So, yeah. So you're saying that before the fall, he still had a structure to where a lion eats another animal. No, I didn't hear what I just before. said. I, 
I said, there's nothing in the scriptures that say that that was the case before the fall. Okay. I can't say it was the case. I can't say it was not. It would seem to be that the case that it was not. Because generally speaking, death is spoken of, of the things that have blood in them. Because Leviticus 17, uh, 14, 11 and 14 talks about the life is in the blood. And since plants don't have blood, therefore it would not be really designated as a form of death. So probably all the animals were vegetarian or herb herbivores, all right? And then the fall came in and that's it. People don't think it's possible. Yes, it is possible. There's even a, a lion someplace that's vegetarian right now. I forgot where it is, I read the article. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we were vegetarian also. I mean, like, you know, um, from what so I understand, that, God killed the first animal to clothe that. Yes, that's, that's true. It would seem to be the case. Did, uh, did that answer the question? It helps. I'm doing some studies. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking with Frank Turk, and I'm just trying to get okay. a different perspective as to when did death enter, and it, was that whenever the pain and suffering came in for all creatures? When Adam sinned, with blood that's when, when Adam sinned, that's when we can say it all started. But it doesn't seem to be the case before the fall. All right. My okay. position is they were every creature was a herb before. I can't prove it. Won't die in that hill, but that seems to be the case. All right. right. There's no proof, no. but I'm just trying to get some ground to stand on. Yeah, because you know, I just, yeah. at that point, man and animal were intended to live. Weren't, weren't to face death. That's a, so that's yeah. the study I'm in, and I'm just trying to get my homework. I just wanted to get your angle on it. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Okay. All right. Let's get on the air with Chris from Indiana. Chris, welcome. You're on the air. Chris. Hello. <laughs> Chris. Hello, Chris. Uh, okay, I guess not. Well, let's put him on hold, and then we'll get to Glenn from North Carolina. Glenn, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Glenn. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm being mad. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, question I had to ask you is about the two different groups of people in Revelation. Wait, wait I couldn't the hear you. The ones who are wait, given wait, wait. white robes. Okay, start again, because it was just a mumble for me. I couldn't hear it. A bad connection or something happened. What, what's your question? Sorry. The question is about the two different groups of saints that appear before the throne. After the fifth, after when he opens the fifth seal, there's silence. And then there's a group that appears before the throne that are given white robes. I think it's in, maybe in six or seven. There's another group that appears in white thrones. I mean, white roads. I'm sorry, white roads. Well, I can't Hello? tell you because I'd had to study it to see, to look for a, a what's called a review or repetition, and or to see if it's chronological to see what's going on. And the white robes generally, what it means is salvation and the righteousness. That the white is a symbol of that purity. So that's what's going on there. Without okay. studying it with that in mind, to to look for any differentiation of time frame, I, I, I couldn't answer you. Well, the reason I'm asking is because I grew up in a dispensationalist church, 
Mm-hmm. And I was taught things before the cross and what applies after the cross. Mm-hmm. And it just strikes me, in all through the New Testament, it talks about it's not of our righteousness, but of Christ. Right. And the saints of old who died before the cross, I mean, that's what I, I see that's happening right there. Because they're given white robes. And it talks about that when the fifth seal's open, there's a like a, a space a, a space of time that is silent. Well, Lord Jesus was in the grave for three days. And uh, I, I think it's when he rose and was seen, it talks about saints of old being seen coming in there. You know, they'd been dead for years. So, and it just strikes me as that because that's what I was taught that well, before uh, the cross, yeah. Yeah, I can't uh, give you a definitive answer without that in mind while I'm reading through two chapters trying to look for stuff. A lot of times what people will do, I'm not saying you're doing this or anybody else, it's just people will sometimes read and they don't, uh, they don't look at every single word. And it might say but or yeah. and following or uh, and then. And these things are joiners or that either show a continuation or a cessation and a big, new beginning of something. And so I always look for things like that to see. Yeah. And so I just, like I said. Well, just, and as you mentioned there, what's amazing about that is when the first group appears, it says, he asks, who are these? And he says, these are those who died for the word of God and the mm-hmm. word of the Lord and testimony, and I'm sorry, for the word of God and the testimony of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay? The second group it appears, it says that they're singing praises to God and to the Lamb. That's why mm-hmm. there's a clear difference in it, it, the Lord it, and the Lamb. As you understand okay. the Lord in the Old Testament, the Lamb in okay, the New I Testament. Okay, I got you. I, I got you. we got a break coming up. And I, like I said, without having that mind studying it, I couldn't tell you. Okay. So it's a good question, but study that and see see if it's repetition. Okay. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. Uh, Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, welcome back. To the show. All right, let's get on the air with Todd from Maine. Hey, Todd, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Oh, I'm hanging in there. Hanging in there. What hey, do you got? Hey, Matt, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess probably more than anything, I may be seeking maybe your counsel um, on a particular uh, thing is um, home fellowships. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you know, I've got a lot of good friends, uh, Christian friends that I've known for a long time. Um, you know, I've, I've attended some home fellowships over the years. Um, but what I'm finding is, uh, what, what I'm concluding is, um, over time is uh, uh, the Bible studies seem to end up pretty much the same, the same... Um, uh, emotional, sensational, feely type of um, home studies, um, and I think what I find is a lot of times there's a lot of biblical ignorance that's pooled in these home studies. 
Um, and there's a lot of times that, you know, we have opportunities in these home studies where people will sort of air their opinion or this is what the Bible means to me um, kind of situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, um, if I if I bring up doctrine, um, uh, it might get an odd look um, as if it was an <laughs> alien concept. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm going to rattle off a couple of things here, and, and these are all rhetorical, and I know you know these things. You know, sound doctrine is, is spiritually profitable, right? Mm-hmm. It guards against sin, right? Um, it delineates between truth and error, Second Corinthians. It's centri- it was central to Christ's ministry, right? Matthew, Mark. Yeah. Um, it was central to the early church, Acts, right? Mm-hmm. It was central to the apostles' ministry, right? Yes. Um, it, it, it anticipates and prepares for errors when sound doctrine is out of season, right? It's yeah, sound it's doctrine like protects that. the church yeah. from fall. Uh-huh. You know, false yes. teachers, da 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 da. I mean, I could rattle off more. You know, yes, um, but, uh-huh. there's a whole litany of those things. But mm-hmm. I guess what I'm getting to, Matt, is one of the. I'm, I'm really bothered by this, uh, especially the t- statistics that shows that um, how biblically ignorant and illiterate the, the church really is in our day. Um, it, it weighs heavily on my mind, and when I see my friends around this. I'm, especially in the last couple of months is I'm sort of trying to think of a way to um, approach my friends and some of these guys are pastors and leaders in a church that I've attended for a long time and um, some of the biblical ignorance that I see coming out of it is I hate to say this but it's becoming more intolerable and do you have a question related um, I do to this, ha- or just commentating yeah, on that? Yeah, I, I, I guess... I could add. You know, sort yeah. of... Yeah, sort of giving you that background. I, I guess my question is to you, what, what is your... What, 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 what would be the approach you would take to close friends who, are, who do not get the facts um, when they're given a, a, a home study or they're teaching out of the Holy Scriptures... And they're just getting everything wrong, and it's based on emotionalism and sensationalism, I guess. Well, you know, the average Joe is different than clergy. It's when I'm in a Bible study, uh, people know who I am, generally speaking, and, and so they look to me to answer questions. And so I don't go to Bible studies because I don't want to ruin it for other people. So if I were to say, hey, you need to study this doctrine because it's important, okay, that's different than... A guy named Bob, you know, he's a waiter at a restaurant, and he says the same thing. They might not listen. Believe it or not, people pay attention to that kind of stuff, and it makes a difference. I don't think it should, but that's what it is. So what do you do? You need to go to the leadership. The leadership needs to be online with this. The leadership needs to be understanding that doctrine is important and that the feel-good-ism is, is heresy. You can, um, you, you can do things, though. So I would remember very, very distinctly, I was uh, just out of seminary, and there was a local Bible study in the area where I was living. And I went to this Bible study, and you know, I'm going to keep quiet. You know, I'm just not, I don't want to ruin it for people. I'm just going to keep quiet. Okay, just listen. You know, fellowship, and that's good. And uh, so uh, the Bible study leader asked 
the person to his left, it was about 10 or 12 of us, to his left, he went around for a few people and then said that was good enough. But he asked the first person, what does this verse mean to you? Which concerned me. Yes, all the time. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he, the person, well, I think blah, blah, blah. No hermeneutics. Yep. No doctrinal yep. relationship. Nothing. And my eyes just slowly bugged out and I thought, okay, uh, it wasn't, the answer wasn't too bad. It was rather imprecise, but, you know. Uh, and then he said to the second person, what does it mean to you? And the second person gave a contradictory response to the first one. And I'm All thinking, yep. oh, yeah, now I'm thinking, okay, this is a perfect time to teach. This Bible study leader needs to address this discrepancy and go through and teach on how to interpret Scripture and go through various things. And he said, I can't remember the exact words, but it was along the lines of, okay, well, we have different opinions. Well, that's good. Okay, let's go to the next verse. And my jaw just dropped open. It was mm-hmm. ludicrous. This kind of a thing is unfortunately prevalent. Yes. And it is, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. And it's Yeah, it's bad. all of those things you just rattled off. It, I, I see that every time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Romans 12, you know, tells us we're not to think of ourselves as, as highly... Mm-hmm. Um, above others, right? Right. Uh-huh. Um, and I certainly don't do that. I, my primary concern is biblical truth and biblical truth only. And and when you sit there and you listen to that, I mean, when you already know what the truth is, um, it, mm-hmm. it, it can I, be I difficult. Your frustration. What, so what are you going to do is, about it? Is, it's a, so here's the thing. Yeah. We need to. Uh, we have on CARM a, a method, a, a, an article on how to interpret scripture. That was going to be my second question: is at your website with whether or not you could lead me to a place where I could maybe read some articles that you might have put out. Well, well, well yeah, just uh, go there and look up how to interpret scripture. And there's a basic article. You can print it up. And you can take it to Bible study leaders, and you can say, say these things. You can ask questions, raise questions. Like, I've noticed in some of the studies that people's answers to things about Scripture contradict each other, uh, but truth is not contradictory. Now, should we address this or not? What do you think? A lot of times, Bible study leaders, they don't know stuff. They, they just kind of become a Bible study leader. And so one of the things, let me tell you this, you know, in... Over the years, we've had people who want to work with CARM, and we've had seminary uh, students and graduates, recent graduates, you know, and, and I answer emails. I said, okay, well, let me, can I quiz you? And they'll say, sure. And I said, I don't expect you to answer the things the way that I would answer. I do this all the time. I said, but what's a trinity? And half of them get it right. Is Jesus a man right now? Uh, most of them, well, about half of them got it right. And when I started asking other questions, you know, like, oh, are we justified by faith alone, or is it the sincerity of our heart and through baptism and, and our obedience that we're justified? You know, make it sound like it's biblical, okay? And they'll go, yeah, that's right. And so I say, and I'll, I'll do this for 20 minutes with them, ask them questions, I take notes, and I say, look, I'm just going to tell you that that uh, you're not, you don't even understand the basics. And I've had to tell so many people this. And it's not just on my level. It sounds boasting, you know, my level. I've been doing this for 43 years. I study it all the time. I'm just saying 
you know, just I understand what you, if you get the basic, you don't word the Trinity perfectly. That's okay. You know, we'll move on. But they fail. And if the they're, they're failing, not all of them, but a lot of them are failing, then why is it that, um, you know, you'd expect the, the Bible studies to be taught? See, the Bible prophesies in Second Thessalonians 2 that there's going to be an apostasy. And I don't believe that pastors and elders are teaching enough sound doctrine. There's a lot of them who are. But we have the uh, de degradation of the Christian church. They couldn't argue the way out of wet paper bag. Get this. This is for real. I was at a seminar once that I was teaching, and I was they wanted me to do on basic doctrine. So I said, okay, everybody, uh, before I get started, I'm going to ask you some questions. And I said, uh, I'm not trying to intimidate you, but I said, just want to ask some questions. Raise your hands. You don't want to raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. And I said, okay, how many believe uh, in the Trinity? Okay, good. Everybody know. Everybody's hands go up. Say there's 100 people, right? 95% of the hands go up. Maybe some people just, I don't know, don't want to say it. Who knows? And I said, okay, good. And now, if you raise your hand, I'm going to call on you. How many can defend what the Trinity is from Scripture? No hands go up. All right, how many believe Jesus is God in flesh? Raise your hands. The hands go up. Okay, now if you if you raise your hand, I'm going to call on you on this one. How many of you can defend his deity from Scripture? Maybe one or two hands will go up, and then half go up, and they'll, they'll quote a verse. And I'm always encouraging. You know, I don't want to make him look bad. And go, yeah, you're on the right track. Very good. You know, and and, and stuff like that. And right. That's fine. Okay. And then I say, here's another question. How many are afraid to raise your hands? You know, and people laugh and we have a good time. But this is this is typical. This is typical. Yeah. So very unfortunate. I agree. Which is why I want to start having seminars on teaching doctrine. In fact, once I get my camera stuff working, one of the things I want to do is call, is do what's called I'm not sure we'll call it the one minute seminary. Uh, where I go through maybe a two minute seminary where I go through a doctrine in you know, one minute or less, or two minutes or less, and then it just goes one after yeah. another, after another, after another, and I want to put it up on the web with, uh, you know, a video right there, and you can see the article, and you can see the questions that are related to it, and the learning points, and with, uh, they can download, and they can do everything. I want to do this. I need help because it's just a lot of work. I can do all the uh, the speaking, but then I have to do editing, and I can do all this coordination, but. Um, I'm always I'm just working my, my tail off. But anyway, the Christians need this stuff, and I think they want it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, people are hungry for it. And, you know, who wants... I know I can't go and sit and listen to somebody teach out of the Scripture and just make it a story. I, I want to hear... I want to hear it read. I want to hear it interpreted. And I want to... I want to hear how it's going to be applied. And, you know, if you can't interpret it, you're not going to know how to apply it. It just there becomes sensationalism, emotionalism. That's right. Um, you know, these guys sermons? are not using these. How about, how about sermons where they're just mostly stories? All the time. Like, that's one of the most frustrating things. Is mm -hmm. that's a lot of these churches out there today? The the teaching is just mostly storytelling, yeah. and and, See, and that, about the the pastor himself. Yeah. And some of these guys, Matt, good friends of mine, you know, one I served in the prison ministry for over mm -hmm. a decade, and him and I get in some pretty heated discussions, and I say, look, you just got to use simple principles. You know, there's a literal principle, the historical principle, grammatical principle, the synthetic principle. Oh, there we go. Um, hey, we're out of time, man. Okay. We're, we're Did out I of time. Lose you? 
no, we're, we just got to at the end of the show. Got to go. Todd, I, you and I could just sit and commiserate together. We could. Call back. We'll yeah. talk some more about it, okay? I think it's important. God bless. Okay. Buddy. Hey, and there's Chris from Texas. Sorry about that. A y'all cult. Call back. Brindy from Utah and Lazarus. Call back. Tabernacle Choir and Ron. Call back. Hey, folks. God bless. Another program powered by the Truth Network.